This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director, and uh, we're going to be talking about Lyme disease and uh, also how to cure it. Dr. Cass Ingram, you're kind of an uh, expert in uh, many areas. I, I know that uh, you've been on over 5,000 radio stations and TV interviews, and you're sought after quite a bit. You've had 30 books that you've written on uh, the cures in the cupboard, uh, natural cures for high blood pressure, and natural cures for killer germs. I'd like to know more about those, too. But you've written a book about Lyme disease and a lot of people don't know too much about it. I guess you've had some first-hand experience with Lyme disease. Yes, I contracted Lyme uh, while doing some wilderness research. You know, I'm an herbal medicine guy, so I was in the thick scrub of Wisconsin, not a great place to be, by myself for a week doing the investigation. The last couple days, I didn't take the precautions. I didn't wear my white suit. I, I really didn't see any ticks. How are you going to see a deer tick anyway? And uh, I didn't pull my pants over my so- my socks or my pant legs. I did not use, I use an herbal spray that's really effective, didn't use it. About seven days later, I thought I was a dead man. I couldn't figure it out. I was burning up. Uh, my head felt like it was exploding. It felt like my head was in a totally different room from my body. Weird, bizarre. Finally, you know, and then all of a sudden I couldn't walk on one side and it was hard to put my arm through through my dress shirt, so I didn't know what was going on, and so finally this bizarre burning on my back was so extreme, I swung around in the mirror, and there I saw the residue of the bullseye rash. Now, you say a bullseye rash, does that look like a target or what? Yeah, it looks like a target. How big is so it? Where, where the tick first bites or digs in, there's a circle, then another concentric circle, and another concentric circle, and sometimes more than that as it spreads its inflammation and its, its, its toxins. But then I knew for certain I had Lyme, and it was in my brain by that time, and it's called neuroborreliosis, which is 50% fatal, 40% fatal. I didn't want to be a cripple to antibiotics all my life. I know enough about medication, so I tossed the dice, and, and I tried some sort of natural cures and remedies and fought it off. And it was quite a tumultuous battle, but, you know, I had Lyme disease. I was wheelchair bit ridden. I couldn't function. So I got out of that back to productivity. <laughs> well, many people misdiagnose it, multiple sclerosis as far as uh, uh, cardiomyopathy, I guess, uh, fatigue syndrome, uh, you know, everything from depression. Yeah, fibromyalgia. The thing about Lyme disease is it's misdiagnosed more than they don't really look for it. Well, here I'm a pretty astute physician, and had I not seen that bullseye rash, I might have gone on and on with this and not really known unless I was tested blood positive, but then I would have had to know to go to somebody and say, could I have gotten Lyme? And that's going to be about one in a hundred people, isn't it, when you really think about it? Well, in South Dakota, we do have a lot of deer. Uh, Even here in Sioux Falls, we have deer, probably 300 deer within the city limits that come and go. You know, there's a river that goes through Sioux Falls, of course. Um, Everything from raccoons in the dumpster I I visit every night to uh, uh, quite a few other animals. But um, is it why is it deer that uh, is so often related to this tick? Well, the deer, uh, you see the white-tailed mouse and so on. Um, are primary in the deer uh, feeding agents for the tick, but the deer come close to the housing districts, and they sleep sometimes there. You can't even tell they're there. They're browsing around, and they're night feeders as well, so they can drop the ticks off. Do they and just the ticks kinda... can take up residence in the suburbia. So they can kind of and rub so... off. Rub off yeah, and then all of a sudden you're doing your yard work or gardening <laughs> and uh, you know picking up leaves and detritus, and you get to feeling terrible, you can't walk on 
your knee doesn't work anymore, your deltoid's not working. Like say you could have Lyme uh, MS-like symptoms. You could have Bell's palsy. It can present as that. And you're not going to trace it to the, the tick that you picked up in the backyard. About 70% of all Lyme occurs within the 100 yards of a person's house. So uh, the myth of it being a backwoods hunter's fisherman's disease, you see. Well, yeah, I remember as a kid, you know, you'd get a tick and, and the mother would get a, a needle and heat it up with a match and the tick would back out. But that's not the tick that we're talking about today, is it? No, you're talking about the tick the size of the tip of a stick pin or a poppy seed at best. Mm-hmm. And that's the black-legged deer tick, which is a really tiny creature and very dangerous that way. And the nymph is the tiny one as well as the infantile form. <clears throat> and those are the ones that that get into the human, whether an infant or a dog or a adult human or a cat, what have you, and you don't even know they're there. You, they're infecting you. you. You wouldn't even know that you had a lesion. It doesn't even look like a zit. Now, would your dog or cat show symptoms uh, similar to a human then? Usually not, but sometimes dogs that are vulnerable will go lame. Uh, will be paralyzed, will be behavior, depressed and irritable, anxious, weird, you know, sensation. Uh, and uh, unless they go lame or are paralyzed, you're not going to remember that, you know, that they, they picked up ticks. Well, half but, a million people uh, get new cases of Lyme disease a year in the country. Uh, I remember reading quite a few reports of uh, Lyme disease in East River, South Dakota. Are we in the middle of a Upper Plains belt or anything like that, or geographically? What, uh, well, does it South like? Dakota is less vulnerable geographically than your neighboring states. Let's make no mistake. But you're right, along the edge of the border there on the east side those people living there are more vulnerable however a deer can come anywhere and the white uh, tailed mouse can raccoon or a skunk and so there are hidden cases of Lyme that no one is suspecting in South Dakota and uh, so we we need to sound the alarm in fact the South Dakota Department of Health website has a number of errors on it that it, it says for instance that you can only get it through the bite of a deer tick it's not true. Dog ticks, wood ticks, lone star tick, all of them potentially can spread Lyme, but of course the deer tick is the main one. Furthermore, you can get Lyme sexually transmitted from your uh, spouse. Uh, so, and blood transfusions have caused a few thousand cases of Lyme in the United States. So, you know, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a pandemic for everybody. Well, can a person have it and not know it? Yes, in fact, that's going to be, let's say that there, CDC says there'll be 300,000 diagnosed cases of Lyme. That's a lot in the United States this year, 300,000. Take that times 20. It's true. Now, who's going to make the diagnosis? Who's going to go to get the diagnosis? The diagnosis means a bullseye rash or a positive blood test. You get false positives, you get false negatives. You, you know, uh, but more importantly, like you said, it mimics other diseases. You know, when Lida Matman did her spe- specialized work in Michigan where she actually looked inside brain tissue of people who died from uh, Alzheimer's, MS, 
and Lou Gehrig's disease, she, and Parkinson's disease. This is going to be a shock. She found that 80 to 90% of all the people had specifically the Lyme spirochete in the brain causing the lesion. 50%? 70%. Diagnosed by specialized staining techniques, Borrelia burgdorferi was in the brain, let's just use MS, like you mentioned, 70% minimum. So um, I'm afraid to say we're dealing with a, a really a, a, a national pandemic. When I was in Pittsburgh, it's much more of a hot zone than you have there, there were a number of people in the audience who were paralyzed from Lyme disease. They were on walkers, or they had to have help getting to and from the lecture seat. These are MS-like cases, you know. Terrible. Well, how is it sexually transmitted? Is it uh, because of the blood, then? Well, it's sexually transmitted because the spirochetes, like the syphilitic spirochete, and it's quite similar, have a propensity for the genital area. So that if it's in the prostate or in the sperm or in the vaginal secretions, then then it's transmittable, which has been proven in a number of scientific studies on humans, but for some reason, the medical profession is doing our, itself a disservice and the people by just not sharing the possibilities. The possibility that it can be sexually transmitted, the fact that it is being sexually transmitted, that the blood bank has an issue, and uh, to at least alert people to go to a doctor and be assessed if they're developing the symptoms that are classical for the condition. Furthermore, we're seeing the beginning of evidence that spiders, fleas, and mosquitoes, which also feed on the spirochete-ridden mice and rats and you know other organisms, that they can transmit it. But the severe cases are from the deer tick. Let's face it, the mm-hmm. really terrible cases are well, when you're bit directly. You know, a lot of people hunt deer and eat the meat, of course. So can it be transmitted? Yes, uh, possible. But the more likely possibility is if they jab their fingers when they're dressing out the deer. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of, you know, you, you got a knife and you're cutting bones, and that could happen when you're transporting it, carrying it, uh, yeah. uh, many different things. Now, you've written, there have been some cases you've written of such a, severity mm-hmm. that it was like a Kretzfeld-Jacob ALS where the hunter shriveled up their muscles and died. Um, now, when you contacted Lyme disease, how long did it take before you saw something? Oh, it was terrible, my friend. It took me two and a half years to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm rid of this stupid thing. Yeah, but when did and you... I had the co-infections. It was miserable. How long did it take before you realized something was wrong, though? Uh, it was really seven or ten days into it. You know, it was on my back, so I'm sleeping on the stupid tick, and so I really got a bad case. I must have been pushing my weight of my body, pushing on it, and, you know, and then it was too, a bit too late for the antibiotics in many ways. Uh... I, I rolled the dice, and you know what I did? I don't know if you've ever heard of oil of oregano. I've been on your, your program there before. I, I decided to buy from the local health food store a half dozen bottles of this oregano, mm-hmm. oil of oregano. So I was traveling. P73 oil of oregano. And I just drank like a half a bottle or a whole bottle a day. <laughs> I took such a huge dose. I was so desperate. And I got about, I don't know, about 80% better. But it took me a while to get rid of it, though, because it was in my joints. That took another year to get rid of it. You know, 
Well, what, what is it about oregano? Now, you've written a lot of books on, on natural cures for killer germs, but uh, or 30 books, I should say. Yeah. Uh, you're a popular media personality. Uh, the Is it pathogens that Lyme yeah, disease it's, has? Yeah, it's a germicide, you see. Okay. So, like, you know, it, it, Lysol it kills 99.9% of the germs because of thymol, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thymol comes from thyme originally. Well, oregano has carvacrol, which is a very powerful germicide. So, so the carvacrol goes into the, the cell membrane and obliterates the germ. Whether it's got a biofilm or not, it'll go in there and, 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 and desiccate or destroy the, the pathogen, whether it's Lyme or Staph or Strep or Candida or mold or Pseudomonas or what might be infecting the person. And so when, when, when Cavell did his work, her work at the Pasteur Institute, she sterilized the sewage water using oil of oregano. And, and in, in France, it was used as an antibiotic all the way into the 1990s, commonly, you know. Mm-hmm. But this... we, we, don't, we don't think of oregano oil. We have a bacteria, it's the antibiotics, and we're stuck with, if that doesn't work, we're stuck. Well, where do you get something like oregano oil? Well, your fountain of health there or your other health food store would have the edible oil of oregano there. But I have a larger protocol for Lyme. You have to do the oregano oil, but you should also do uh, extract of sage, which is in something called OregaResp. It's just the name of it. We discovered that you can speed the rate of cure with sage. Now, you know how famous sage is in mm-hmm. Native, medicine, uh, Native American lore. And you have it growing there uh, in, in South Dakota. So sage, if you burn it, if you take an, uh, a proper sage supplement, will kill the Lyme spirochete. I had an interesting story for you. I'm giving a lecture, a Hispanic guy has this question. He says, let me interrupt your lecture for something. We raise longhorns in Mexico. We brought them here. We raise them here now. And the longhorn, when a, when a tick bites the longhorn, the tick dies. He takes the blood out of the longhorn cow, and then he croaks. I said, how much sagebrush does, the, does this longhorn eat? He says, that's what they live on. It's the desert. They're eating the sagebrush. So uh, I have about 200 people in Pittsburgh taking my protocol. Some of them have had Lyme for 25 years. They're getting better. In some cases, we can call it like a cure. And they're taking two or three supplements at the same time. Well, no, you discovered that the bullseye pattern on your back. Was the tick still there at that time? No, he was gone. She, okay, so if you discover a tick uh, in time, how do you get him out of your skin? Uh, a lot of times mm, you say the head the stays tick in. Is a deer tick? He could be completely embedded in the skin. Mm-hmm. So, so what I tell people is, on your way to the doctor, what have you, get some of the super strength oil of oregano, saturate some cotton, hold it on the tick, and it will kill the tick every time. If you can't get to a doctor, you're out in the wilderness, you're in the Black Hills, it's the weekend, what have you, kill the tick with the super strength, then get it out of there. But get the whole thing. You need a flat tip cease. Uh, uh, tweezers, if the tick is still attached and not fully embedded, 
If it's a flat edge tweezers, you can slide it along the skin and, and gently, you know, pull it out. Sometimes I'll have to give a quick tug if I have to, but uh, but kill it first if you can, if you have the oregano with you, if you don't, get it out. If you can't get it out, you have to go to the emergency room and let them deal with it, you know. Well, does uh, the, uh, the old mother's uh, idea of heating up a needle and, and getting it to back out, does that work? The problem with that is that it will secrete a fair amount of its garbage into mm-hmm. the tissues as you traumatize it. So that that's a last resort. Um, much better to sterilize it and its secretions with the oregano oil. But the needle, if you have to, any way you can get it out, it, it's the you got to carry this flat edge tweezers with you if you're going camping or anything. Because if you can get it before the fully it's fully embedded, you can pull it out. You know? Now, why are deer connected with the deer? T- the deer aren't affected by this. Well, you know something. The animals, wild animals, are really powerful creatures. So they seem to be able to. But we don't know. There could be wasting disease. There is wasting disease. If if deer have their own wild diet, they're consuming these chemicals that Mm -hmm. protect them from the inflammation caused by Lyme. Um, But nobody can say they're not affected. They're just more immune than we are. Well, I don't think a year goes by we don't read about somebody dying from Lyme disease. What does it do that kills you? Well, if it gets into the brain and spinal cord, then it eats that up, and then people just Mm. die a miserable death. If they get the cardiomyopathy or the bundle branch blocked, then they can die of sudden cardiac shock. It can just wear you down until it destroys you. It's the most Mm. terrible pathogen that ever was around. Well, we're speaking with Dr. Cass Ingram, author of over 30 books, uh, and you have a book on Lyme disease with your personal experience, of course, on that. Uh, is this, this a, a new book that you just brought up? The Lyme Disease Cure. Uh, the other one I probably mentioned was The Cures in the Cupboard, brand new version of my original book on the wild oregano. But between The Cures in the Cupboard and The Lyme Disease Cure, people can get what they need. People can go to my website, CassIngram.com, see my videos, see my free protocols that I give out. And I tell you, if if I was a Lyme victim, and there, you know, there's quite a few cases in South Dakota, mm-hmm. more east, yeah. a lot of hidden cases where people are going around with unknown MS symptoms, paralysis, Bell's palsy, Parkinson's tremor, terrible chronic pain. And here's something else. If you were a pretty healthy person and all of a sudden you can't walk on one side, all of a sudden you can't use your knee, all of a sudden you can't walk on the ankle, all of a sudden you can't put your arm through your shirt and your deltoid isn't working and it's on one side, then you've got Lyme until proven otherwise. Now, if you get to, you donate blood, do they test anything that would show that? Not well enough. It's still mm-hmm. slipping through the blood blank bank, and because of the L forms and the mutated forms that Lyme can go into, they can't pick it up. So you have to completely. specifically ask for a test for Lyme disease. Then you have to do that, and and the same with if you're sick, you'd have to tell the doctor, "I want to be tested for Lyme." Well, there's no Lyme in South Dakota. Well, I want to be tested, even if there is no Lyme. You know, you have to be insistent, and the best test is the Igenex test which is a European technology. And well, so if you have this, if you know, if, if some of your listeners are relatively young and they can't function and, and it's, they're not housebound all the time and they could have picked up a tick in the backyard or out in the woods or something, get yourself evaluated for Lyme. 
do my symptom test in the book. If there's a presumption that you could have Lyme, treat yourself uh, with the natural germicides, even if you don't get any medical cooperation, because you're not taking a drug. I'm not recommending drugs in the book. I will tell you about the doxycycline. I won't discourage you from that. But there's nothing wrong if you have paralysis and you're sick and you're young and you're vital and you've lost your, 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 your capacities to, to doing the protocol. But try to get yourself tested. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's some moms and dads out there that are worried about their kids running around. Especially now, Minnesota is one of the uh, states where uh, you have to be concerned. It's probably in your top five or top ten, I suppose. It is. Yeah. Uh, is that because of the, the, the many lakes and the woods, I suppose? Woods and lakes, and it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty bad up there. So what do you but do? in Iowa, mm-hmm. there was an infant, uh, I think it was only six months old, that got a big bullseye rash in Waterloo, Iowa. They just published it on the Internet to warn people. Because Iowa, oh, we don't have Lyme. Well, yeah, you do. How do you protect yourself? Uh, okay, your kids are going to go camping. What do you do to... Uh... You have to use my herbal spray that I recommend, mm-hmm. the Herbal Protect-X, because the DEET, you can't use it on kids and dogs anyway. So you might as well use it on the adults, the children, and the dogs. And the Herbal Protect-X is extremely effective. Ticks don't want anything to do with you or your animal. It's geranium, juniper, cumin, rosemary, lavender. You won't smell like any human. You won't smell like a dog. You'll smell like a flower. But I tested this in the bush, and you can spray one side of your body, and then you don't spray the other, and they only come up on the non-sprayed side. I've captured a number of ticks, and the ticks do not like it. And I even use this spray on dogs to, to just keep spraying it at the tick to kill it. Mm-hmm. So it's something you want to have in your army chest when you're camping or in the wilderness or fishing or even hiking or even, you know, four by fouring and what have you. The second thing I would do is I would try to have a bottle of the oil of wild oregano, uh, you know, around uh, and just in case you got a tick on. And I would also keep a flat-edged uh, tweezers about if you can just make a little medicine kit well like the monkeys in brazil and europe they do grooming of each other i suppose that's something that uh, people need to do is is we can't see what's on our back you know or that kind of thing is people now you mentioned wearing you have to do that you have to check Mm -hmm. you know yourselves and your your loved ones you you recommend white uh, socks white clothing mainly so that you can see the tick then if a person took the full breadth of my prevention, they wouldn't be wearing shorts in that environment. They would be wearing light-colored cotton pants with light-colored, uh, ideally white socks. Pull the socks over the pant leg. Sneakers, white sneakers, not black. And then spray that area nice with the Protec-X. But how about long sleeves? I know, but if it's light cotton, you can handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a broad-brimmed hat. But here's the other secret. You're, you've been out for four or five hours. Maybe the deer tick is not on yet. Maybe it's on your clothes. You can't see it. Strip the clothes off into a garbage bag. I hate to say it, but it's, it's a war zone out there. Throw them in the dryer. You know why, right? Well, the heat will kill them, right? You got that. So if they're going deer hunting, uh, maybe they should uh, recommend doing that for their hunting clothes, uh, Anything that was in contact? Uh, right, because were... a deer hunter can't wear white yep. except in the snow, so he has to do this fastidious process when he gets home. He strips everything off. He takes a shower with a loofah. He washes his hair, scrubs real good, 
and then you know, yeah, he has to dry his clothes. Well, you can't throw the dog in the dryer. Uh, that's the, the dog is a troubled zone for all of us now. Mm-hmm. The poor dog. In addition to it getting bit and infested, he's bringing disease to us. And sometimes a dog can pick up 20, 30 ticks before you know it, you know. So These... don't sleep with the dog. That's one small thing. Mm-hmm. Keep the dog in its dog room. But if you can use the spray, it, the dog, will, the, the instead of the dog picking up 90 ticks or 10 ticks or 5 ticks, it'll be just the rare tick that will go on. And cats would be just as sensitive to it, I suppose. Yeah. What about yeah, birds? The dogs are the big, big, big guys that they can smell the dog and the ticks immediately attack the dog. You know. What about birds if they're duck hunters and that type of thing? It could be possible if you shoot the bird that the tick could come off and you carry it home. It's the same thing unless you're hunting on an icy lake uh, in 20 below zero. Uh, these days the ticks are showing up even in moderate winter conditions. Uh, what if so, you have a lot of hair? Well, this is a danger, too. Um, well, that's why we tell people to wear the broad-brimmed hat. But there's, I tell you, the best thing is the spray, because the spray allows you to somewhat take the risk of the wilderness. Uh, you can apply it repeatedly. You can apply it repeatedly to the animals. There's no toxicity. And uh, you'll notice, if people can just look this up or get make sure the health food stores carry it or get it online, whatever, um, uh, we will see a reduction in Lyme disease from this repellency. DEET, somewhat effective, but poisonous for infants, children, and dogs. That's, yeah, that makes you wonder why we use it. Uh, I can remember DDT as a child, too. Now, oil of wild oregano, does it have to be wild oregano? Yeah, because the marjoram or the commercial farm raised isn't quite so effective. And wild oregano is a natural oregano that you use on in pizza or marinara. And so wild oregano you, you can use as a food. So if somebody has lime and they have to take 40 drops twice a day, it's safe to do that for six months. That's why I recommend that. If they want to know the brand that I've used uh, for clinically uh, and researched in the studies I've done, scientific studies I've published, they can go to oregano.com and they can learn from that website. Well, I see that you also recommend capsules of anti-inflammatory enzymes containing uh, bromelain, papain, and ginger. Yes, bromelain and papain are very effective for the inflammation of Lyme. And tell you what, turmeric is good, too. In fact, I'm using right now, with a tremendous amount of success, something that will be fun for your audience. I'm using a turmeric supplement that combines cannabis with turmeric for, for pain and inflammation in Lyme. It's called Canacurman, and it essentially obliterates the pain that the Lyme cases are suffering. But cannabis, now this isn't THC marijuana, this is industrial hemp. Cannabis has a long history of use for pain syndromes. Well, we have a lot of wild cannabis growing in South Dakota because we used to harvest it as crops to make uh, rope for the Navy in World War II. Yeah, if somebody could, I don't know if it's legal, but that's industrial hemp. If mm-hmm. somebody could cut that and make an extract, it would be effective for pain. Now, ginger is another thing you mentioned. Ginger is a good anti-inflammatory, so we could go the cheap route and buy some ginger roots if we were suffering from Lyme or pain and inflammation. We can slice that up and put it in hot water and just constantly sip on ginger root tea. 
Well, but we, yeah. many things you mentioned I think are very interesting. Now, people can go to the Internet and find out uh, quite a few things about Lyme disease. Uh, your website is, uh, what, www.cassingram.com? Yeah, www.cassingram.com, free information, videos, YouTubes, uh, on everything from vaccine toxicity to Lyme toxicity to processed foods. Uh, you know, I'm not much of a blogger. I, I write books. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you want to really learn a lot, you got to dig into the cures in the cupboard and the Lyme disease cure. If you're into, into inflammation, the wild turmeric cure. I mean, one of these days we should talk about turmeric. You know how popular that's becoming. Well, I, I, uh, my personal experience is with um, uh, vinegar of uh, ap- ap- good. apple vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that has the mother in it, and that's that's mother why I, apple cider vinegar yeah. for what for the joints? Well, it, it cures my psoriasis better than the expensive creams do. Oh my God! Yes. What an interesting testimonial. Well, that's what I'm saying is that there's many things out there that uh, you know, uh, if, if people read about it, you don't have to pay a lot of money. <laughs> the, no, that's true. The, the pharmaceuticals maybe, want you to buy you their stuff. Put you know, a few, fi- a few drops of the oil of oregano in with your. Uh, your mother there. Or yeah. something. Good job, though. That's a good little clinical pearl we'll use again. And, and Dr. Ingram, we want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum and, and talking about a subject a lot of people don't know much about. Yep. I hope it helps out and some lives are saved. Thank you very much.